Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Okay, so I'm going to check and see how we sound. Go ahead and say something. Something. Yeah. All right, let's try this one. Say say something. Well, I kind of think I need to put wheels on the dining room chair. Yeah. Let's try this one. Now you say a little something. Say a little something. <laughs> okay, I think, I think, oh yeah, I turned it up quite a bit more and now it's better. You talk oh, into it. Wow. It's up. It, it's up. I'm all the way up. <laughs> all the way up. We don't have the rights to that song. Nope. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. I am Lorelai and today I have brought back Leah Bruget who's my best friend and I'm here visiting her in San Diego so I'm kind of on a little vacation from the wilds of Northern California. You brought the sunshine. I (laughs) I brought something. Oh, about sunshine, but it's definitely sunny down here, which is delightful. Bring some sun and some heat. Mm. Yeah, I'm bringing the heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to be talking today about boundaries because I feel like that is something that is it is not very well understood with most people, and I think that it needs to be talked about especially in a spiritual sense because i feel like even in a third density state boundaries are not well understood and it needs to be well understood and and, not well practiced and not well practiced not at all especially with how social media is such a prominent presence and that everybody knows everything about everybody's stuff and it's like there are no boundaries at all. And so I want to talk about that today. So let's talk about boundaries. <laughs> well, I think it's very appropriate that we're drinking wine while we're talking about boundaries because, yep. and I, I mean, I think it's important to know that it's only three o'clock. Yeah. Because it's, it's an uncomfortable subject. Yeah. And boundaries are just really an uncomfortable thing to try to and set in any relationship doesn't yeah. have to be a significant other. Yeah. It can be literally anybody in your family. Work colleagues especially are really challenging. Yeah. You're going to have to talk about that. And <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just uncomfortable and I think that's why most people are not great at it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what people do with boundaries is they don't know how to differentiate between putting up a loving boundary and just putting up a wall. And if, because the culture right now is of the mind of boundaries are separation. And it's like, okay, there, there is some truth to that. 
but it is not all about putting up a solid wall in between you and the thing or the person that you're trying to create and establish a boundary with. And I think that is what we need to be talking about right now is how do you create a loving boundary in between a person or the thing that you need to create space from, but you still don't want to disconnect yourself from. Like you don't want to be like, I don't want you in my life anymore because that is the black or white sort of culture around this sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we need to think about be introspective about the space you're coming from and how setting a boundary makes you feel. If it's uncomfortable in the sense that you fear it because you fear losing somebody Mm -hmm. over valuing what you, what you need and what's important for you over somebody else. That's a, that's a one space to come from. Yeah. Or if you are too overt in setting harsh boundaries, I think that's another space people come from, yeah, which can sometimes lead to pushing people out of your life, yeah, because it's done, like you were saying, with with a harshness or without understanding the language that needs to be put forth to be able to still support the relationship, yeah, but value your own needs as well, yeah, and it also depends on the the nature of the relationship too. So I mean. If we want to start with, with significant others. Yeah. That's a great place to start because that's usually where people find, yeah, Yeah. because that is like that kind of a boundary is hard to place with somebody that you hold very close to you. Absolutely. I think where it's, I think where we find it easier is a parent child relationship. Oh my God. Yeah. Because you're, you're in a, a teaching frame of mind and you're, you know, you're, you're setting boundaries and you're teaching your child to set boundaries. Yeah. You know, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, you know, the kind of people that you want them to be or, you know, what they strive to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us to do that with ourselves, I mean, you also have to take into account how you were raised. Yes. And that those skills and, and abilities to set your own boundaries may never have been given to you. Yeah. So... That's the other thing. It's like, well, if you were never giving, given the coping skills to be able to understand how to correctly set boundaries for mm-hmm. yourself, then man, I, I'm, that makes me sad yeah. for people that are operating from that space mm-hmm. without any knowledge of how to do it. Yeah. But it's not, and that's not to say that I, you know, that it can't ever happen. It's just a learning process, you know. It, and it's it's a struggle at first, but like anything, I think once you do it one time and you can glean even a little bit of empowerment from that moment or satisfaction, regardless of the way the other person responds to you setting a boundary, yeah, it's still, you can still listen to your internal gut reaction and the feeling of relief or satisfaction that you gain just from being able to put forth what's valuable to you mm-hmm. and what makes you feel safe and secure in the relationship, in the world, that's a that's a huge moment. And it's kind of like 
you know, when you run or you have endorphin releases, it's, it's, if you have a little bit of taste of that, yeah, it's motivation then to do it again and to practice it and to become better at it because like anything else that you're not good at. Yeah. We're, we're all going to be bad at it first. And then, you know, with practice and we learn Mm -hmm. and we make mistakes. Yeah. And you get better and you get better and you get better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a large part of the resistance or the fear of setting boundaries is the uncomfortableness of being confronted with this situation. And like, and I I feel like there's a lot of people, even the people that are pretty good with confrontation that can do well in those situations. There is still a uncomfortableness with getting into that situation and saying, Hey, I'm not going to do this because of A, B, and C, or this is not something that was meant for me to, to be doing or whatever, whatever the boundary looks like. And there's, there's a lot of boundaries to be set, but a lot of times it's, this is my limit and this is where I don't feel comfortable. And a lot of times it can look as small as like, you know, a friend wanting and going, wanting to go and do something. And you're like, "Eh, don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if that's, that's the thing I want to do. And some people really just don't know how to vocalize that boundary. Be like, oh, that's beyond my comfort zone. I don't know if I want to do that, but they end up doing it anyway because they don't want to like disappoint, disappoint their friend. Well, I think it's the, I think we operate from fear Yeah. in a lot of, in a lot of places where we get uncomfortable because there's the fear of the unknown in the other person's reaction. Yes. And we have no control over that. And we anticipate the worst. Mm-hmm. Whatever the worst may be, you know, like, we can't manage emotions. We yeah. can't stop that other person from screaming and yelling at us or leaving. Yeah. Or, like, disappearing from our life. If, yeah. If we try to hold a boundary and they say, well, that doesn't work for me. Or... You know, they have some sort of crazy emotional reaction. Yeah. And sometimes people operate from a space of that perspective because that's happened to them before. Yeah. And it could have been somebody very significant in your life. It could have been a parent. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's another space of wounding. Yep. And again, it's, it's like being aware of that and still trying to do it in small capacities is still practice. Yeah. And maybe you can't maybe you can't hold that large boundary just yet. Yeah. But it's making those small choices mm-hmm. is is the good practice leading up to that. Yeah. And really understanding where you're operating from. Because I feel like a lot of times, you know, you you need this boundary in place, but what is it for? And where is this coming from in you? So for me, um I know I have significant abandonment wounds from my upbringing and from my relationships that um, that I have gained this wound from. And I find myself, whenever I am needing to set boundaries, I have a hard time because I don't want the person to leave. I don't want the person to, especially if I care about them, I don't, that is the fear. 
And it's very visceral for me because that is the wound that kind of triggers me. Yeah. And what I would challenge people to do is to understand what your wounds are that trigger you. Mm-hmm. Because those really amplify in your fear when you need to set those boundaries. And a lot of people know what they are, but they're just not comfortable looking at it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the psychology comes in, right? Yeah. To really understand and introspect, like you were saying, mm-hmm. where are your wounds? Right. What are they? Identify them. Yeah. So that way, when you need to establish those boundaries, you know when that feeling comes up, that fear and that trepidation that comes up with creating the boundary. Anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know why those things are coming up. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe maybe you were sexually molested. Maybe your your parent, one of your parents left. Maybe, you know, there's there's a million different things. Totally. Maybe there is a different kind of abuse that happened, you know, that really affect how you operate. But the important thing is is to know what that is mm-hmm. and to you know, to look at that for however long you can. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't think we have to consider those people that just had really traumatic upbringings either because I I think that happens no matter if you had, you know, a nuclear family Mm. that was healthy. There are still things that you experience in your childhood that resonate with you and they stay with you and they have a large impact on, you know, how you operate in the world as an adult also. Um, that, that sometimes we subconsciously don't even recognize. Yeah. And, you know, it could have been being bullied a little bit in school. I mean, mm. that, that has significant emotional trauma on many people, as we've seen. I mean, from the mass shootings that we've had. Oh, and, my God, yeah. I mean, that's so... It, and it seems like something... You know, it could seem something small from the outside, but internally we all react to things differently and hold on to them differently. So absolutely, I think, you know, trying to get in touch with your wounds and understand the things that have made a significant impact on you that you might still be harboring um, in the forms of fear, anxiety, depression, um, that keep you from you know, having healthy relationships in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just that process alone is fucking terrifying to look at your wounds and to look at where you have those issues. And like, I I really appreciate that you said that because, you know, it doesn't have to be something as monumental as like, you know, what I was saying before, but it can be something that is still meaningful to you, but not on that grander scale, but it's created a wound. It's created some kind of trauma in you that makes it hard for you to create a boundary. And then we come to now Mm -hmm. (laughs) as adults being in the situation where we're like, and I need to establish some form of separation Mm -hmm. where I feel safe in my body and in my environment and know that this boundary isn't going to be encroached upon. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I get really introspective sometimes and I, I think about, you know, how we're all out there walking around with our trauma and most people have unrealized trauma that they don't know about. Oh, so many. And I think sometimes, how are we even relating to one another? I know. Oh my God. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> How are we existing? How are we doing this? Just billions and billions of people interacting with one another with yeah. all these unrealized wounds. And but I think that I think that vastly contributes to why our divorce rates are so high. Yeah. And why we are afraid to speak to one another in real ways in the work environment and why we have so many HR issues in the work environment because getting people to just have conversations and give each other feedback without having overblown emotional reactions is a real big challenge. People yeah. don't want to talk to one another because they're afraid of the reaction. Yeah. And we, it's like, I think we get so comfortable having control over so many things now mm-hmm. in, in our life that the fact that we can't control another person is terrifying. Yeah. It, it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and it's hard to stay in your own space and know that you only have control over yourself yeah. and your own emotions and letting go of that feeling or that need to control other people is, is hard Yeah, because it is uncomfortable not to have control, very uncomfortable. Yeah. And to just sort of surrender to the fact that, okay, I have to say this and I have to express this and yeah, I mean, I have to think about the worst case scenario and I have to internally be okay with that before I say it. Yeah. And if that's kind of how I deal with things, I have to process what's the worst case scenario here. And I have to really think about like, am I going to be okay with that? I have to come to terms with what I'm going to do if that happens Mm -hmm. and sort of have plan A, B, C, and D for how that conversation is going to go. Yep. And that's sort of how I approach things Mm -hmm. now. And it, I, I think for me, that's my coping mechanism and it works for me. I, I don't know what you do for you. No, I think that that's, that's pretty, pretty close because it's like it is in the accepting that you find that you're better able to process and actually go through with what it is that you need to go through. Because when you accept the worst case scenario that could happen, it's easier for you to be like, okay, this is this this is not going to be easy, but it needs to be done. And I understand that here are the different things that are bad that can happen because of it. But the pros and cons of this situation, there are more pros, especially when it comes to me, you know, in making this boundary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's I think that's that is part of the issue is that the emotional reaction of others, the response that is negative, the outlash, the the retaliation of sorts that comes with what you need to set up for yourself because nobody else can do it for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the overall thing that needs to be understood is that the boundaries that you set can only be set by you and you can't expect other people to respect you and your boundaries if you don't uphold them. And that is that is the reason why it's it's hard for us to be like, okay, people aren't going to really like the fact that I'm not willing to do this thing because it is not in like alliance with what feels good 
to me in my body in my spirit and it's like okay establishing what is it that you want in this situation understanding that this is what you want however this is not the collective desire or whatever but here you are being different and needing this boundary to be set and knowing that once you state out loud this is the boundary that needs to be set you're going to get this outcry or you know <laughs> retaliation that whatever. comes with it yeah. whatever that may look that's the thing where you're like i have to stand alone in this and that is where people are like hell no i don't want to stand alone I don't well, want to be on my own in this. And it's like, well, this is where we are as human beings, is we stand alone in our power mm-hmm. and who we are as individuals. You know? I agree with that. But I also think there's the perspective that you can pull in resources yeah. to support you yeah. in in your decisions and in setting your boundaries. And I, I mean, I think you mentioned... Um, work environments and I think this happens a lot in work environments because like the other thing you mentioned was retaliation yeah and I think that's such a huge fear of people setting boundaries or you know trying to get support for um behaviors that might need to be acknowledged and we need to hold people accountable for you know bad behaviors yeah you know negatively communicating with one another or you know having an emotional reaction but not closing the loop to say you know hey I'm really sorry that I responded that way I really didn't mean you know to offload that on you it's like and especially in our environment which has a lot of high stress Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of emotions we're we're holding so much space for people and they're healing process which is usually you know fraught with emotions and negativity because being in the hospital is a challenge oh especially Especially, right now you know you're most people are at their worst yeah you know unless it's and sometimes you know in your environment it's different a lot of people are healthy and it's a happy time for them and in my environment it's it's a a lot of sickness and but you know some people heal differently and it's it's really it's such a mishmash of personalities Mm -hmm. and it's you know and that's where I think and and I have tried very hard to encourage people to talk to one another and it's like pulling teeth and it has been years of that encouragement slowly but surely it's starting to happen and I think that it's you know, helped our environment to be more healthy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that process does include mediating conversations Mm. because sometimes, and I understand this when you, like I said, when you don't have those skills to be able to hold people accountable or set boundaries about, you know, maintaining a positive work environment, whatever that might be, it's, it's scary and you need some help yeah. to be able to move through that process so you actually have some sort of basis to draw from when you go and do it again, maybe on your own, Yeah. in that same space and can be more autonomous in that situation. Yeah. So I have found that to be very helpful just to... Ju- and, and I'm not... It's not like I'm classically trained in helping people set boundaries, but 
I'm, I am the neutral party. Mm-hmm. I don't have the emotions involved. And that's one thing that you kind of have to take out of that situation is the emotionality because everyone is triggered emotionally oh, yeah. when stuff like that happens. So I think having a neutral party there to sort of guide the experience and help give some of the vocabulary that's more neutral, yeah. less emotionally fused, mm-hmm. and be able to model some of that conversation is, has been really helpful and has helped people, you know, take some of that and move forward with other instances. Yeah. And, you know, I do appreciate the, the aspect of emotionality only because I feel like the emotions that are being expressed in those moments are not of a higher perspective. You know what I mean? Because once you are able to kind of rise above where this sort of like cesspool of anger, resentment, frustration, and um, negativity in general is being felt, and you're able to kind of like, like what you were saying, you're able to come from a standpoint of neutrality, which is that higher objectivity that we kind of need to be at when we're establishing these boundaries. Because you're not just looking at this from a perspective of like, oh, this is all about me. This is all about the loving boundary that is also being set for this other person or people or thing that is also being supported in a way from that boundary. So in that neutrality, you're being unconditionally loving, which is that fifth density understanding and um, emotion that we're that we're trying to attain here, right? Mm-hmm. In the spiritual sense, and that in and of itself is where we need to go as we grow in our spiritual selves by taking a stance of higher objectivity. And instead of like, once we're in that emotional state where we're like, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm despondent, and I need to understand what I need to do. It is literally pulling yourself away from that emotionality and looking at it from a bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. That's very challenging to do. It is so, so hard. And it takes people, it, it's like a varying length of time yeah that that people need to come down off of their emotions yeah and that's the other that's the other hard thing mm-hmm. and you know like when i was talking about kind of closing the loop before people are allowed emotions mm-hmm. it, it, like you know especially in high stress environments i i expect people to have emotions yeah. i expect sometimes you're going to fly off the handle yeah just that's just your abrupt response at that moment in the high stress environment, you know, whether a patient's crashing or whatever the case may be. And that's okay. That's acceptable. Yeah. But it's, it's circling back around and closing the loop to a come down from your emotions, Mm -hmm. B have the self-awareness to recognize that, you know, you were sort of abrupt yeah. And you were operating from emotions and stress. Yes. And then, you know, the apology piece. And not apologizing for having the emotion. Apologizing that it spewed forth out into the environment and yes. maybe had an effect on somebody else. Yeah. Because that happens. Yeah. And again, it's not apologizing for the, the emotion itself. It's just to say, hey, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm sorry if 
if that had any effect on you, it wasn't my intention. Yeah. I just wanted to put that out there. Mm-hmm. And that's so healing for, yeah. you know, and it neutralizes everything. Yeah. And it also reinforces the fact that, okay, we have emotions. That's okay. But here I am and, you know. Yeah. Just wanted to make Perfect. sure that you knew that that wasn't meant for you. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times that that is... Um, a lot of people don't understand that they are misplacing a lot of their anger and frustration, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I could have gotten into an argument with my significant other and I'm, I'm coming to work frustrated and angry and people sense that and feel that very ugh, mm-hmm. awful energetic when I come into work and it's like, did I do something wrong? You know what I mean? They, I feel people like, are you okay? Or oh, yeah. do you, you know what I mean? And it's like, and given this past year and a half, oh boy, oh man, yeah, everybody, everybody's coming in raw. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot. There is a lot, mm-hmm. and there's in, a lot of times people they the the very basic response which everybody does this is they find the easiest thing to point their finger at. And yeah, that is literally, I feel like a lot of people do that. Instead of like introspecting and seeing, I'm just, this is what happened and I'm upset about it. I'm not really angry at, you know, Susan or Kathy or Bob for being, for having this thing that happened to me, you know, for losing my job or, you know, my marriage imploded or whatever, or I lost a family member. Mm-hmm. This is, those are the things that you're very emotional about, but it, if you don't process it, it's hard for you to create boundaries when you're operating from a space that's wounded and you can't, <laughs> you yeah, can't for sure. do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? And that's why I think, on the on the opposite end in in the receiving space mm-hmm. we we really have to hold a lot of space for for people and and try to have a really empathetic nature yeah you know in in any relationship mm-hmm. it's always good practice to understand how someone feels in their shoes yeah and i think you know I wish that more people would operate from that space. Yeah. To to really be understanding and to understand and to consider different perspectives. Yeah. And to to know when you're not when you can't be receptive. And cuz that's like there the few things that I'm learning is for me is when I'm there are days where I wake up and I'm like I am not in a space where I I can offer that to other people. I, I have to do the self-care today for me because I cannot be there for other people today. And that's okay. But just understanding that that's where you're at can be monumentally helpful in what you're doing today. As a parent, that can be really challenging because mm-hmm. you are that is a 24-hour thing and having to be there for your children is a necessity. And it's like when you're not in that space to be there for other people, it's, <laughs> it's, 
it's kind of hard. But I mean, you can't tell your three-year-old that mommy needs a self-care day. No, no, it's she's it's not kind of a thing. No, not really. Okay, she's usually like. But I, but I want gummies, Mom. I want the unicorn gummies. It's Can too you? bad she won't just pour you a glass of wine and bring it to you. I know, right? You that should train be, her to do I that. I should train her to do that. I'm like, come on, babe. Get with the program. Get up with the times, chick. Come on. <laughs> she, she doesn't even know where to put a dirty Kleenex, so, you know, oh, she's a lot of learning to do. You know, she's been really good about putting stuff in the trash. I'm like, hey, baby, <laughs> go put that in the trash. She's like, okay, Mom. I should put it in the trash. And I'm just like, Damn. I did something right. The dirty Kleenex. <laughs> Put the there. dirty Kleenex in the trash can. Yeah. Takes her a minute, but she does it. She's such a good girl. We digress. We digress. Yes. So I think we should. I think we should note. Let let let's do a let's do a for instance. Yes, I love for instances. I think, you know, there's so many different boundaries, and everybody has their own boundaries that they need to set in different situations. But I think um, I think an example would be good. Yes. Let's do it. You got one on the table? Do I? Okay. Um, since we're on the work thing, because I feel like that's a really good one for people. Yeah. We'll do the work situation. All right. Relationship situation, like, you know, ro- romantic relationship. Okay. And then the platonic relationship. Okay. And a familial okay. boundary. I like that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like those are like the... Yeah. What is that? Not trifecta, quad, quad. Fe- <laughs> yep. It is all the things mm-hmm. that really we come into contact. Okay, I have a good. Just... I have a good familial. Okay. Um. So my my dad, who's just a um, negative person at heart. Bless him. <laughs> yeah, he's had a lot of struggles, but um, tends to get very cha- tangential about. Um, relatively um, insignificant things that I would think, but very yeah. significant for him that happen in his life that are very frustrating. Yeah. Um, such as having to walk by homeless people going to the grocery store. Oh, jeez. Um, which I can imagine could, you know, be a little bit uh, fear-inducing as well because, you know, he's an elderly gentleman. Mm-hmm. And... He's going during the day, which is, you know, a, a safer environment. We've had that conversation. But needless to say, he gets it in his head that, you know, I can't believe that this is happening in this neighborhood, la, la, la. And eventually it turns very dark. Oh, boy. And very foreboding. And, you know, and and then it's it just bleeds into other areas. And I have to stop him at some point and say, Dad. <laughs> I understand that you're frustrated. So it's it's mirroring, I guess, the, the frustration um, or, you know, acknowledging the situation or, you know, whatever the case may be, if you need to put something forth that needs to change, um, acknowledging maybe how they might respond. But I do acknowledge, you know, his frustration. But I say for me and for... The time that we have now, it's it's too much and it's negatively affecting my time with you. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. And I think it's important to 
and I'm sure people have heard, you know, use I language. Yes. I mean, I, you know, how, how it makes you feel, what it brings up for you. Yeah. And then stating what's important to you. Yes. As far as, you know, what you need. So then I kind of explain what's happening and explain what I need. You know, I, I would, you can express your frustration, but I would much rather spend our time not talking so much about negative things. Yes. I mean, that's a very superficial example. But that's a really great example at the same time because I feel like a lot of people don't know how to end that cycle. And you can see where I'm sure that there's a lot of people, even if it's not just like negativity, but it's like something where they're spiraling. Spiraling, yeah. And you're like, I need to, we need to put a stopper on this because I know where it's going. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, I love you. I want to spend time with you, but we need to talk about something different now. Even if it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know what needs to be said. It is just speaking it out there so that way they understand, hey, you're reaching my boundary now. This is where I'm going to set today. I see that you're having a problem. There's the I language. Mm -hmm. I see that you're having a problem with this. I get it. I understand. Let's talk about something else, though. You know, so that way we don't go down that that rabbit hole today. And I think it's important to mention that nine times out of ten, you're going to have to reestablish that same boundary over and over if this is a person that's going to stay in your life. Yeah. Many times you'll have this challenged, you know, whatever boundary you're setting. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it just takes reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. Yep. Even for yourself, too. Oh, yeah. Because those of us that, you know, have started this process very late in life (laughs) and who are... High five, girl. (laughs) Out of practice. (laughs) Need a lot more practice. Yeah. It takes... I mean, it takes a few times. A few times. There's a really funny meme on um, the internet (laughs) that I have found very comical, but very, very um, appropriate. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of the inside of like a front door Mm -hmm. with one of those latches Mm -hmm. that is like a rectangle and it latches over a loop and you're supposed to put like a padlock or something um, in the loop, like a little spike Mm -hmm. in the loop to hold the door latch. Yeah. And instead of like a metal spike or something that holds the door latch, it's a Cheeto. (laughs) And the caption under is my first attempt at setting boundaries. Oh, yes. And I think that is so apropos. It's, yeah. It's just, I mean, it hits my core really well because it is very hard. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be good at it at first. Yeah. And it will take a couple times before you realize that you need something a little bit stronger than just a Cheeto. Just a Cheeto. Yeah. And you work your way up. You do. It's not like you're going to have, you know, if anybody is um, a Mandalorian fan, but the steel that they use, (laughs) the unbreakable steel Mm -hmm. that they use. um, Yep. It's not going to be that right away. Yeah. It's not going to be steel. It's not going to be unbreakable. It's going to be a fucking Cheeto. It's going to be a Cheeto. It's going to be a Cheeto. And that's okay. Totally. It's it's okay to be gentle with yourself on that because 
it's your first time really setting this particular boundary and the fact that you're practicing it means that the next time you do it, it's not going to be a Cheeto. It's going to be something just a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit stronger. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. It's okay. It's all okay, right. let's go with a work example. Oh, goodness. Okay. So, I have so many examples, I feel. But there are times where you have people, I mean, for me, in my work environment, I have people that will just they don't they they come to work but they don't really want to work and i'm like okay look like and i get it i understand that mentality because i am of the mind where i'm i am exhausted most of the time when i go into work and i have to be present i have to be present for my coworkers. i have to be present for my patients and so it's like all right, we're putting on the thing today. We're going to do a self-talk when we get into the car and la la la. And then you find like one or two coworkers that are just like, I'm not doing shit today. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit on my phone and I'm not going to do a goddamn thing. And you're just like, but I need help. I I need somebody to come into this room because this baby's deselling and I need you to come in here and help me. And they're just kind of like, I sent somebody in there for you. And I'm like, get up and help me. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. So how do we establish the boundary there? (laughs) So there's when we have to actually kind of reach into our power and say to them, I need you to get up and help me right now. That's the more direct. It is the clear language, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually if they don't get up and help you, then that becomes like a totally different issue in and of itself. Oh, sure. But usually if you have very, very clear language in a specific situation like that, you will get a relatively quote unquote desirable response, albeit reluctant they will come and help. Now, this isn't all, this isn't apropos for every single business or work thing, but I think that it it can be applicable in each work environment in some sense. Oh, yeah. Let me ask a follow-up question. Yes, please. Do you ever close the loop with that person and have a more in-depth conversation to say, this was really frustrating. Next time, here's what I need from you. So yes, yes, I do. And a lot of it has to, when I, when I talk to somebody about it afterwards, generally what I say is, I know that I approached you and I, it was pretty, pretty, um, blunt or, you know, direct forward. forward. And I don't want you to feel like I was trying to boss you, but at the same time, like I really needed your help and I kind of felt like I was on my own. So it's still directed around me, but it's putting the ball in their court to be like, I needed you. I needed you to be here. Mm-hmm. And it's still, in a way, the boundary is being set because you're still saying to yourself, this is what I needed from you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to be there for me, then you know what I mean? And it's harder because you may not have a, a real relationship with those people. And that's where it gets a little bit, you know, sticky because 
you you may not go out and have a drink with them or have like a personal relationship with them where you feel comfortable and being on the same playing field. But when you're in a work environment, it is a responsibility to be, you know, there for one another in a sense. Well, I like this example because this is setting a boundary and it's also holding people accountable for a strong work ethic. Yeah. Yep. Which sometimes that's different for everybody, unfortunately. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody has the same work ethic. Oh, yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah. But the accountability piece is vital, mm-hmm. especially in environments like that. Yeah. Where we are not working siloed. Yeah. We are a team environment. Mm-hmm. And just because that's not an assigned patient to someone else, that's assigned patient to you. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. It really shouldn't matter. It shouldn't. And yeah. So I like that. Yeah. And that's a... It's holding accountability. Yeah. And it's stating, you know, what what you need and what the expectations should be. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to keep it in my I, me, my language. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to come across to my coworkers, you know, like... You, you know, get, you need to be this way. You, this, 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 like, this is where I'm at. And this is how I'm feeling about what happened, you know, and I, I respect you and I, I care that you're here and that you're working with me. This is how I felt with this, when what happened, you know what I mean? And I said this because this is the space I was operating from. And, and you're saying that with no knowledge of how that person is going to react. Absolutely. And, but still, you know, setting your expectation and your boundary. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, a lot of times, they won't respond positively. And it can be hard when you're in a work environment when they don't respond positively. A lot of times, they tend to retaliate after that. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Because it's like... Well, you got to operate from a space that is, I know that what I did was upholding a policy and a moral background that is of higher standard. And if that's where you're coming from, and there's a lot of light around it, then there is nothing that you did that was wrong. So. Is this the wonderful ice cream man in the background? That's not creepy or anything. Not, Not even a little bit. I have to tell you that that brings up some pretty immense amount of nostalgia for me because I used to stop at, I used, oh my God, I used to love those like strawberry shortcake popsicles. Oh, yeah. The oh blue bunny God. ones? Yes. I'm really <gasps> glad you're still here and that no one injected your ice cream with any. Ew, that happens? No, I don't know. Just, oh, I'm, God. I'm operating from a really dark space there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why I know. I know uh, ice cream, man. I'm like, stranger danger. Stranger danger. Don't put razors in my taco. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Ch- Choco tacos? Choco tacos. Choco tacos. Mmm. Okay. Okay. Let's do... Let's do... A, let's do... Oh. Personal relationship? Like a romantic relationship. Let's do romantic. <sighs> oh, boy. Okay. No! <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she just said not me, yeah, just not in case me. you know. 
this is this is not my area. Okay, so let's talk about. Um, okay, let's talk about a different time for Lorelai then. Hmm. Okay, because mm -hmm. because you know, um, yeah, because those are when I wasn't in like a you know a married and committed relationship. I feel like those are like more of where people are right now, but there are in marriage situations where that happens. Oh yeah, that you know what I mean. Um, but there are, I mean, I, I remember establishing a pretty amazing boundary with my husband as of late, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It'd be a great example, but I don't think that that's something I should talk about right now. Let's talk about more superficial. Yes. Let's, let's do that. That was really bad. Okay. So in another life, I was in a relationship and, um, I had told this person that um, <laughs> this is going to be really kind of ridiculous, but we're we're gonna we're gonna start here. I was really young too, and I was kind of proud of myself for like sticking to my guns with this. But I had we had broken up for a period of time, and we had recently sort of rekindled our relationship, and I he had put a picture up of a girl that I know he started dating in this time that we were apart. And I, he started dating this girl like a week after we had broken up. And that was really like, mm, something tells me that you really just wanted to be with, with her a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was sort of the thing, even though he never said anything. And the friend that was sort of in his little inner circle told me, no, no, no. She, you know, they weren't ever a thing. She was a back burner. Yeah. Thousand percent. Yeah. And it was kind of like, and what was really shitty about that situation is like, I was friends with her for a really long time before they ever met. And so it was just kind of like, man, that, that really sucks. Cause now like, I can't, that's an extra burn. That's an extra burn. Like, mm -hmm. ew, ew, mm -hmm. gross. So anyway, he had a picture of her and him up in his, in his room. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Like if we're going to be like a couple again, I don't know if I can look at you and her up in your space. Like, that's weird. That's weird. And he was like, he did not understand. He's like, why, why is that a problem for you? Like, she's my friend. And I'm like, bullshit. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but maybe a more understanding language. Oh, uh, yeah. Statement. Yes. Let's move above the negativity. <laughs> I see you and that you still, you may be friends with her. But here's where I'm operating from. My wound space that's created is that I feel like you left me to be with this person. And I am going to be continually reminded of how you left me to be with this person because you have this picture up. Or that makes me feel unsafe. That makes me feel and unsafe. threatened. Yeah, just a little bit. So I established that boundary with him in so many words and he took down the picture and it was okay after that needless to say the relationship did not last i mean if anybody could guess that coming from a mile away <laughs> <laughs> i was young folks it happens when we're young we're trying to figure out our footing when it comes to romantic relationships so. i was listening to a podcast about just 
it was on the topic of relationships and, and setting boundaries. And I found it really beautiful the way that she worded how to explain to your significant other your boundary and, and how it's triggering you. Hmm. And she said, it's not my intention to allow the past to influence my present relationship. Hmm. However, because X trauma happened in the past, it still triggers me to feel unsafe, hmm. insecure, unsupported, whatever adjective you want to use. Yeah. Um, and I, I just thought that was really an intelligent way to set things up. Yeah. To sort of disarm your partner to say real, I mean, and, and truly it is not ever our intention to allow our past trauma to influence the way that we behave in present tense, but it happens. It's yep. a real thing and it happens all the time. And sometimes you're never fully healed yeah. from things that affect you. But it's still important to put it out there, especially to somebody that you're going to be intimate with yeah. and that you want to, you know, spend a lot of time with and, and have a life with, mm -hmm. you know, for those people that are in that space. Those things are very important. Yeah. That's like, that's like a core part of your foundation for a relationship. It's like knowing your favorite type of pizza. And all of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, little tiny intricate details that you learn about somebody, the more you get to know them, the closer you become to them. Those things are vital. Yeah. You have to include those things as, as far as where you're operating from, because nobody can read your mind. Mm -hmm. Nobody can just understand how you, you know, react to things or why you have certain reaction to things. Yeah. And if you don't communicate those things, it's left as a giant question mark. Yeah. And it creates a lot of, you know, why people argue and why, you know, people have trouble communicating. I mean, communication in general is just hard for people to do, especially when it's things that are serious and yeah. emotional. That's a good one. Um, yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of times the way that people cope with their emotions is they just stuff it. They, they stuff, stuff it, or they it shut down, down or they shut yeah. down. And nothing ever gets really solved and it gets swept under the rug and you just pretend like nothing happens. And then this additional wound is created and no healing is done. But again, that's, that's, it's a hard thing to predict because it's all based on your, your coping skills that you're given. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. is why we're making this episode so that people can develop some coping skills. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just in identifying your wounds and where you get triggered but is honestly, enough alone to like yeah if, realize. If the only thing that comes out of this is is the recognition of maybe needing some more coping skills, because I don't even I don't know if I can give great coping skills. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a trained psychologist or psychiatrist. But you've been through some shit. But I've been through some shit for sure. Yeah. And it's something that it's like a train the trainer type of thing. Yeah. I've had some training. Yeah. Some great therapy. Yeah. I have had some wonderful lessons and I'm still struggling. Yeah. I'm still 
I am still in the practice mode mm-hmm. and I will never be a master. Mm-hmm. I, I just won't. That's not, that's not the goal either. Right. The goal is to live in the practice mm-hmm. and the lessons and yes. learn. Um, let's do a platonic example. Oh, yes. I'm trying to think of a good like platonic friend example. Hmm. I have a, a very good friend who is who is dating, who has been dating for a long time, mm-hmm. and who went through um, dating in during COVID, which oh, was God. very um, limited for, for her and and her personality. It's very draining because it's energy out to meet somebody new, to try to get to know them, to learn about them. And it's vastly different from being out in the world, in a social space, being able to look across the room or at a party and overhear conversation, size somebody up listen to the thoughts they have to say without even ever engaging them one-on-one. There's so much you can learn about somebody by nonverbal and just by like observation alone that I think takes a lot of the energy work out of dating. Yep. Just socially interacting, meeting, being in a group setting, feeling comfortable with your own group of people, and then having some natural interactions. Yeah. Which is, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you're basically going on a blind date. Yeah. You're having to start totally from scratch. Mm. And yeah, I can identify with that. That's very energetically draining. Yeah. And she went on, God, I think 30 some odd first dates. Holy mackerel. So from an outsider perspective and somebody that knows her very well, we we were sitting down for dinner one night and I think this was, you know, kind of towards the tail end of the peak of COVID anyway. And she was struggling and I could tell she was just tired. And she said those words, I am just so tired. Mm. And you can imagine that there's an aspect of quote unquote failure that comes with and going on so many dates and not really connecting with any one of those people in like a genuine and real way. So yes, that would be exhausting. In addition to all the other life stuff, in addition to coping with, you know, job and just normal life during COVID, which was exhausting and isolating. So she was very upset. She was very emotional. And my suggestion to her at that time was, why don't you just take a break? Yeah. Why don't you just stop for a moment and exit that space and regain some of your energy? And she reacted very emotionally, but she was already in an emotional space. Yeah. Which I, it wasn't shocking or surprising for me, but she said, no, I've done so much work to, not close myself off. I don't want to be closed off from experiences. Yeah. And I think she sort of took what I said in not the way that I was intending it, 
but it was an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And it triggered something in her that she had done a lot of work yes. to reverse. And so I just let her vent and correct me, and that's okay. Like, that's fine. But I was really... It was frustrating for me that that was how she viewed what I had said because that wasn't my intention at all. So I waited until she was like, you know, had calmed down a little bit. It was later towards the end of the night. And, you know, I said, hey, I just want to close the loop with you because I felt like maybe you misinterpreted what I said or... Or maybe you didn't misinterpret it, or maybe it just, you know, was sparked some emotion for you. And I said, really, that wasn't, that wasn't my intention was to view you in the light of your old self. Right. And, you know, I was trying to explain to her just what I was seeing as far as just her energy and, and how drained she was Mm -hmm. and just offer some suggestion in not to say for her to close off, but just to take a momentary pause. Yeah. And so I, you know, and she, she was receptive at that time because she wasn't as emotional. Yeah. Um, and so it was really great that, you know, we were able to close the loop. And I think that's important because you, sometimes you can't just let that go. Right. And you know, that, that sometimes festers wounds. And, you know, if you're worried about rehashing stuff or that you're going to trigger more emotions, it is important, even if that does happen to still continue to try to move forward to close the loop. Yeah. I think that's great because, you know, that way, when you know that you're operating from a place of love, but the person that's receiving the boundary is in an emotional state, it can be hard for them to receive what it is that you're trying to give them. But then once things settle for them, it's easier for them to kind of see what you're trying to say and be like, even if the boundary isn't between you and them, Mm -hmm. but a boundary for them to place to help them it's like, oh, okay, I get it. And I get, you know, I kind of get where she's coming from because I feel like I've done that before. Totally. And I think this, I, I kind of, in sharing this example, I think what I was thinking of is she was trying to set the boundary with me. Mm. Like, no, I don't want you to view me in that light. Oh, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of where I was coming from. Oh. But I think even even still, like being on the receiving end of somebody trying to set a boundary with trying you, trying to set a boundary with me, I think that's a an interesting perspective too because I love that. it's and I I feel like I can do a pretty good job of of coming down from my emotions. Yeah, mostly with you know platonic or family relationships, I struggle with the romantic s- romantic piece but um I I can I can see things from a you know higher perspective but yeah I think being on the receiving end of that was like oh oh shit I didn't I didn't know that that was the reaction yeah so and I think a lot of people have that response 
when they try to set a boundary, it's like there's all this fear that builds up about how the other person's going to respond. And it could just be as simple as like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't even know that I was making you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, that's really unfortunate. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I I love it when that happens. Nine times out of 10, like sometimes you just need to like setting the boundaries, holding a mirror in someone's face. Like, Ooh, okay. Without using language of you did this to me, I felt this way because you did this or whatever, Right. you know, but more of a space of like, I care about you, you know? And that, I mean, that's definitely how I felt. Yeah. Obviously, because I, you know, I care very much about her and, and I didn't even think of it from that perspective. Yeah. Which opened me up and thought, okay, well, next time we have that conversation where she's, you know, emotional, I'll think of like, okay, well, she still wants to be out there and, you know, open and just hold space for her in that time. Totally. And that's, that's what you got to do for her in that time frame. (laughs) Did we miss anything? We have a romantic, a familial, and a platonic, and a work one. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's good. So, keynotes here, know your wounds, Mm -hmm. understand your traumas, and where you're operating from, and where you get triggered. Because that's number one. Step number one. Step number one. Because holding boundaries for yourself and for others, and like holding a boundary for another person, like you were saying in your example, can be really challenging when you have been triggered and your wounds and your trauma is being reflected or at least you're feeling from those spaces. I think it's just asking the question, why? Yes. Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And does it make sense? And could it be linked to something deeper? Yes. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes we need help and resources to understand the deeper stuff. Yep. And that's okay, too. There's lots of great therapists out there. Yep. Therapy needs to be like going to the gym and eating healthy. Yeah, we need to normalize therapy. Normalize therapy. Yep. Because just like your physical body needs attention and love, so does your mind. Mm -hmm. It is a brilliant thing, and don't let it be stigmatized. Yeah. Open yourself to to it. Mental health, physical health. Spiritual All that health? spiritual health, yeah. which is where I come in. No. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> yes. Um, and then what was the other thing? Know your, know your wounds and know your traumas and then understand like your environment and use I, me, my, I, me, my explain your perspective. Yes. And speak from a heart space, a loving space where you're not coming from. Make sure that when you're speaking to somebody, you've taken time to reflect on where you're coming from. Because if you're still speaking from your wound space, you're going to trigger other people. If you're operating from your heart space, from a space that is unconditionally loving, where you're loving not only yourself, but the other people, those boundaries are going to be good. They're going to be good for not only you, but the people around you. Be very direct about what you want. Oh, yes. And state why. Yes. There needs to be very clear communication. There needs to be no guessing around what it is that you want or need. It needs to be clear. I think one more thing to add would be to understand that there may be a variety of different ways to uphold that boundary. Yeah. The person that you're asking to uphold your uphold boundary. That boundary. Yeah. There might be different options. 
and be open to those options because you're speaking to another human being mm -hmm. that is going to have some different reactions and is going to have some different creative solutions. Yeah. And be yeah. open to compromise. Yeah. I what think what feels good, you know, listen to suggestions and what feels good and comfortable. Yeah. Because it might not be a one, like, this is the only thing that's going to work. Yep. And understand and know that not everybody is going to receive it in the way that you're thinking. And that could be on the good or the bad end of the spectrum. And to really, when you, before you have this conversation, be open and accepting to all worst the, case the worst case scenarios. So that way, when and if they respond in the way that your thinking may go, you know that that's, that's what's going to happen. And it's not going to be like this, <gasps> are you kidding? You know what I mean? It won't be a shock. Not going to be a shock. And so that way you're like, okay. And if, if, if you setting that boundary that is loving to yourself and to the other people pushes other people away, there's probably a reason for that, unfortunately. You know, because if it's good for you and it's good for them and you know without a shadow of a doubt that it's good for both parties, then, you know, they it's probably better for them to not be in your space in this time because it's probably not yeah. very healthy in yeah. a sense. So that's pretty much it, I think. All right. You like it? I like it. I like it. It's good. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, we're finishing that at 1 minute and 11 seconds. Oh, no. That's that's not true at all. 1 hour and 11 minutes. I'm ridiculous. No, I mean, <laughs> one eleven. talking for a minute. It's, it's, wow. That's time, space, and how it's not linear. 111. 111. That's all I'm going to say. All right, you guys. I love you all. Please make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to listen to the last couple of minutes so that you can hear an amazing sound bowl sound healing for your listening pleasure and i hope you have a beautiful weekend and love and light to you all i didn't i didn't like that last one very much just because but let's try this one now you say something okay uh P peter piper picked a peck of pip <laughs> <laughs> okay it's the last last one i think T testing 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 one two yeah ma'am test one two And I have brought back my best friend to talk more about as soon as she turns off her phone. Sorry. <laughs> We're gonna I talk. I don't know podcast etiquette yet. <laughs> You're good. I don't. I don't think anybody's gonna care. It's fine. <laughs>
If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.